Um, I'm going to put a picture on the screen. Matter of fact, I'm going to put five pictures on the screen. And just by looking at them, I want you to decide whether or not this person is a Christian or a sinner. Okay, don't say it out loud. I just want you to decide for yourself. And so I'm going to put five pictures on the screen so you decide whether or not they're a Christian or not. So here's the first one. Number two. Here's number three. Number four. And number five. How'd you do? Did you do good? Did you pick out the Christians among those? Reality is it was a trick, right? Just by looking at these people, there is no way to know their spiritual condition. Right? Some people judge others by their fashion choices, by their hairstyle, their makeup, or their jewelry. But there's not a biblical basis for that. You can't determine whether or not someone is a Christian simply by how they look. However, there is a way to know if someone is a Christian by watching and observing their behavior. It's not prejudice or opinion. It's the Bible. In Galatians 5, Paul listed evidence of a sinful life, a life not surrendered to Jesus. He said in, in Galatians 5, the acts of the, of the sinful nature are obvious. This means that you can see them. Sexual immorality, impurity, and debauchery. Idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy. Drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like that will not inherit the kingdom of God. Regardless of how someone looks on the outside or what they claim to be, someone who does those things is not following or obeying Jesus. You can tell by their life. But then Paul goes on to describe the opposite life. But the fruit of the Spirit or the proof or the evidence that, that God is at work in your life is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. A person who is following Jesus has the Holy Spirit at work in their lives. And the result of that work is proof that is visible to others. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Today, we come to the third fruit on the list, which is peace. Man, don't we really need that in the world today? Daily, we hear about wars and terrorism and violence. There is political and racial tension in our country. If you turn on any cable news channel, you can see and hear angry people yelling. If you scroll through your Facebook feed and, and read angry posts and opinions about everything from politics to restaurants to travel. Add to that the turmoil and the tension in your own life. You face challenges at work, at school, and in your family, and in your own finances. We all want and we need peace. 
See, peace was an important word and concept in Paul's writings. Paul often opened his letters talking about peace, almost always in connection with grace. Peace with God, peace with others, and peace on earth can only be accomplished through God's grace. The book of Galatians starts with peace. It says, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to rescue us from the present evil age, according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. And then that same book ends with peace. He wrote peace and mercy to all who follow this rule, even to the Israel of God. When I say peace, you might picture sitting on a beach, right? Listening to the waves crashing against the shore. Maybe you picture being alone in the forest. Maybe you picture lying in a hammock, gently swaying in the breeze. If you have small children, you might imagine an entire night of uninterrupted sleep or a whole meal eaten with nothing spilled and actually getting to eat your meal while it's hot. If you're a student, Maybe peace is, is dreaming about sleeping in on a snow day. For some of you, peace is silence or sleep or listening to soothing music. Everyone is longing for and looking for peace. And in search of peace, people try a lot of different things. They try meditation and they try therapy. They turn to drugs and alcohol. They try relaxation and vacations, and they try quiet and nature. You name it, it's been tried. Yet peace still seems distant and unattainable. The reality is you can't manufacture peace. No matter what you buy or try, you can't make peace. It's impossible for you on your own to, to, to order your life in such a way that every area is peaceful. The reason you can't make peace is because you're in constant battle against your sinful nature and, and what it pushes you to do. Society, culture, and the media all feed that battle. The works of the flesh versus the works of the spirit. Then add to it all the external factors that you can't possibly control. Things like other people and, and sickness and society and politics. There's no way that you can ever make all of that line up at the same time to have perfect peace. You simply can't do it. It's like putting the wrong size lid on a pan of brownies. Every time you get the lid right on this side, what happens? The other side pops up. You get this corner in place and then the opposite corner never fits. There's always something that's just not quite right. Now, here's the good news. Peace is possible. Instead of it being the result of a quest or a search on your own, peace is a byproduct of the fruit of the Spirit of God at work in your life. I want to look at two aspects of peace, being peaceful and being peace-filled. Here's my definition of peaceful. It's not competitive, not causing division or strife. It's content in Jesus Secure in yourself, able to fully and freely love others, all because of the work of the Spirit in your life. Being peaceful is external. It's how you respond and react to others. 
That's the visible part of this fruit. But being peace-filled is internal. It's what you fill inside. It's your perspective. It's your attitude. It's your outlook in life. These two are connected. It's difficult to be peaceful towards others if you aren't peace-filled inside. And if you aren't peaceful, if you cause conflict and trouble, there's no way that you can be peace-filled. They're connected. What's inside the peace-filled comes out peaceful. The position of your heart affects your words, your actions, your attitudes, and your behaviors. You know that I'm right because you've been there. When things are going all wrong around you, it affects your attitude and your mood. If you're in a bad mood, you are not peace-filled, right? When that happens, when you don't have peace, then what happens is you begin to lack the other peace of the fruit of the Spirit in dealing with other people. Being peace-filled and being peaceful are connected. So which one is better? Which one is more important? I don't think that you can choose just one. Instead, the person with the fruit of the Holy Spirit, with, with the fruit of the Spirit of peace, has both. Because they are both peace-filled, they are peaceful. You might be listening to me and think, I want that. I want both parts. I want to be peace-filled and I want to be peaceful. How do I get that? Let's look at what Paul said in Romans chapter 5. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. If you don't have peace with God, you can't have peace from God. Let me say that again. If you don't have peace with God, you can't have peace from God. Peace with God, knowing that you're in a right relationship with him, comes from faith in Jesus. Your belief, coupled with his grace, leads to peace with God. That's something to celebrate, right? You can thank God for his peace. Consider the fruit of the Spirit, the, the peace, this way. Think of it as three circles. At the center is peace with God. That's where it all begins. You have to have peace with God through Jesus and because of his grace. Then, because you have peace with God, you have inner peace. You are peace-filled. Your focus and attention is on Jesus instead of the problems that surround you. Why do so many people live in fear? It's because they lack that center part. If you lack peace with God, you won't be peace-filled. And then because you have peace with God and you've got inner peace, that inner sense of, of him inside you is projected to others as being peaceful. Peace with God allows you to become peace-filled, and that shows out into your life, and you become peaceful. Some people, even in church, have a codependent relationship with conflict. Every issue, no matter how small, is a huge deal. I'm not, I'm not sure if drama finds them or if they find the drama, but it's all around. Back when I was in school, we called it being a drama queen. You guys know what I'm talking about? And, and it just seemed no matter what happened, 
they seemed to attract problems, and they were in a continual, constant state of being in crisis. If there is no conflict present, then they manufacture it and make it up. If they don't have a major problem, then they're trying to solve someone else's problem. Conflict gives them meaning. Problems give them purpose. And crisis gives them attention. Do you know anybody like that? Don't point. The problem is they want everyone else to join in their drama in their lack of peace. Some even resent others who won't join the crisis. That causes whole families to lack peace and unity. Other people are problem causers. They cause conflict instead of producing peace. They cause problems at work. They cause problems at school. And they cause problems in church. That's what they've always done. It seems like that's what they will always do. Here's the challenge all too often. We chalk that up to a personality and we give them a pass for not having the fruit of spirit present and active in their lives. We make excuses for their sinful behavior and we allow them to have power in church or in business because we're afraid of controlling, we're afraid of confronting their sinful behavior and calling it what it is, which is disobedience to God's word, which God's word calls sin. The root issue is that because they are not peace-filled, they cannot be peaceful. God in you affects your outward attitudes, your actions, your words, and your behavior. That is the fruit that people see. But it all starts on the inside. Being peace-filled allows you to be peaceful. If you're trying to be peace-filled but you haven't made peace with God, it doesn't work. There's nothing to support that peace. If you're trying to make peace with others, but you're not peaceful, then, then you haven't, and you haven't made your peace with God, you're never going to get there. A friend shared a conversation that he had with a friend of his a couple of weeks ago. And my, my, my friend's friend is a brilliant uh, man, and, and he knows all about politics and world affairs, and he's been involved in those things at the highest levels and, and my friend asked him about a large-scale conflict that's lasted for centuries. And his friend's reply was this, and I want to read it to you today. He said, they will never be at peace with each other because they aren't at peace with God. The solution to that problem isn't politics. No politician or peace treaty is going to work until they discover Jesus. Now, of course, people without Jesus have conflicts. Although they may have peaceful moments, they will never be peace-filled. The best they can do is manage their circumstances. Peace with God is where it all starts. You'll never be peace-filled or peaceful until you've first established peace with God. Peace centers around your relationship with Jesus. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Now look at verse 3 with me. Not only so, but we also rejoice in our sufferings. Well, wait a second, Pastor Jason. I thought we were talking about peace. 
But listen, verse 3 doesn't say we rejoice because now there is no more suffering. It says we rejoice in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance character, and character hope. And hope does not disappoint us because God has poured out his love into the hearts by the Holy Spirit whom he has given us. So how does suffering fit with peace? Peace is not the state of your circumstances, but your state in the circumstances. There's a difference between living in peace and living at peace. Living at peace, being peace-filled, can happen right now, even in the midst of, of the most peaceless circumstances of your life. You can have peace when everything around you is going wrong. You can have peace when the doctor gives a bad report. You can have peace in spite of what's happening in the world. You can have peace when those around you are in complete turmoil. You can be peace-filled when there is no reason to be peaceful. Because being peace-filled is an intentional decision to lean into Jesus and his rest. It's a shifting of your heart, of your mind, and, and your attitude towards the stillness of God. It's trust when things around you seem uncertain. It's assurance in danger. It's hope in despair. Being peace-filled, though, isn't ignoring the reality or living in a fantasy world. Being peace-filled is the result of a focus and dependence on God. At the center of it all is Jesus. See, if, if everything is up to you, if, if you have to figure it out on your own, you will always be anxious and stressed. If your problems are your problems, you will never have enough. You'll never have enough time, never enough money, never enough answers. But when your dependency is on Jesus, he is more than enough. God is not intimidated by your problems. He is not afraid of your enemies. Being peace-filled comes from realizing that the God you serve is more than enough. You see, peace for Paul was not dependent on what was happening around him. Think about it. The guy who had the most to say about peace had an amazing amount of conflict and trouble in his life. He was stoned and imprisoned and beaten and arrested and thrown back in jail and arrested and thrown back in jail and arrested and thrown back in jail and then beaten. And then he was shipwrecked. And he was bitten by a snake and he almost died, but he didn't. He was ridiculed and ultimately he was beheaded for his faith in Jesus. Yet most of the letters that Paul wrote addressed conflict and trouble in the churches that he planted. And on the surface, Paul never experienced the very peace that most people are looking for. Yet it was what Paul, who wrote this from prison, rejoiced in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. See, the fruit of the Spirit isn't about your surroundings or your circumstances. It is who you are 
in spite of your circumstances. Rather than allowing your circumstances to drive you into fear or doubt and anxiety, allow them to drive you back to the center of your faith, which is Jesus. I think you'll understand it a little bit better when you understand the original audience to whom these words were written. The Jews had been at war for centuries. They had been defeated and captured, and they had resigned themselves to being captives forever. Conflict was a constant state for their people. They had hoped that one day Messiah would come with peace, but until that day came, they still needed peace. Their word for peace was shalom, the meaning of which is actually a whole lot more like hope in the conflict rather than freedom from conflict. They were saying shalom. We still have to live at peace even in these horrible times. Listen to me. Peace was not the absence of the conflict, but the divine hope of rest in the midst of conflict. You had shalom because God blessed you with it. You were blessed with it because you were right with God. No matter what was going on in your life and the world, you were right with God. Being a Christian doesn't guarantee the absence of bad things in your life. You will still face sickness. You will still face death. You will still face heartaches and attacks. And you will still face struggles just like everyone else. Your circumstances and the world around you will often be chaotic and confusing. But being a Christian does not mean that circumstances don't determine your attitude or ruin your life. Let me say that again. Being a Christian does mean that circumstances don't determine your attitude or ruin your life. Remember what Jesus said. In this world, you will have trouble. Listen, if you're facing difficult circumstances, it's not necessarily because you're out of God's will or you're doing something wrong. Right? There are some churches that will tell you if you're having conflict in your life, if things are not going well, then you must have sin in your life. And that's the way that the early church approached some, some of these things sometimes. Yet that's simply not the case. You're facing difficult circumstances because you're alive. It's what you do with that trouble that allows you to be peace-filled. If you allow Jesus to rule your life, even during bad times, peace that doesn't make any sense to this world takes over. There's an old hymn that has some, some really, really good theology. And it's a good way to practice being peace-filled. Maybe you know it. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory. So many people limit their ability to impact others because they think that their own life is in such a mess. They limit how God can use them because they don't have it all together. 
I'd like to suggest that at that moment, when your world seems to be falling apart, you can be the greatest witness that this world has ever seen. Your business can be, fall, can be failing because of the economy. Your child has left the faith. Chemotherapy starts next week. Both cars are broken down. Your wife has left you. You're in pain, but you're peace-filled because Jesus is with you. He is at the center. In the midst of chaotic situations, followers of Jesus see him instead of the trials of his life. When you are peace-filled internal, you can be peaceful external. The peace you feel inside leads to peaceful relationships with others. Your words, your, your attitudes, and your activities promote peace. And others will see this uncommon peace in your life and will be attracted to Jesus because of the peace in your life. Peace is a fruit of the Spirit and your testimony to the world. Paul wrote in Ephesians 4, be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is but one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. You see, when God is in you, you're at peace with him, one Lord. Then you can be peace-filled and peaceful. The attitude and, and spirit, that fruit is what brings unity into the church, which lets us stand together in peace in the face of a conflict-filled world. The fruit is what allows you to experience peace when everyone else around you is in conflict. The fruit brings peace in the midst of the battle and in the storm. So how should you pray? That you would be peaceful? Listen, that's a good prayer. But that won't happen until you're peace-filled. And that doesn't happen until you're at peace with God. Remember the circles. Peace begins with Jesus. When you're at peace with God through Jesus, then you can experience deep and satisfying inner peace. You're peace-filled. That inner peace then leads to being peaceful and experiencing peace with others. If you don't have peace with God, you're never going to be filled with peace, and you will never be peaceful. For some of you, you've been praying to be peaceful or to be peace-filled. You've been praying for a feeling. But what you need to be praying is, Lord, help me to find myself in you. Help me to be filled with you. Lord, fill me up and be the center of my life. And listen to me, when you get that right, when you get your relationship with Jesus right, you'll be peace-filled. 
And as a result of being peace-filled, you will be peaceful and you'll have peace with others. I want to pray for you this morning. For the most important part of that circle, that you'll make peace with God. That you will be in a right relationship with him. And then as a result of that relationship and trust, that you would be peace-filled. And as a result of being peace-filled, you would have a peaceful relationship with God. Would you bow your heads with me? I want to pray for you. I want to pray for you today. If you would say, Pastor Jason, I, I lack peace. I lack peace inside. I lack peace outside. I'm going to pray for you that you'll be so filled with Jesus and that Jesus will be so much the center of your life that as you have peace with him, it will affect every single relationship that you have. If you would say, Pastor, I lack peace, please pray for me. I'm going to pray for you right where you are, but I want you to just raise your hand. If you'd say, I lack peace, Pastor, pray for me. Raise your hand right now. God, we come to you presenting symptoms that, that we are not peaceful and we have conflict with others. Or we're not peace-filled and we lack peace in our own lives. We are filled with worry and anxiety and stress. We connect it that we need to be more filled with you. God, that Jesus, with you at the center, having a right relationship with you will result in those other things. So instead of searching for those other things, God, we simply come to you this morning. Lord, we ask you to fill us up. God, we want to be in a right relationship with you. We want to be at peace with you. We want you to be the very center of every piece of our life. Not looking at everything that's going on around us, but looking at you, God. And then, Lord, when we've got peace with you, then we believe that that byproduct of that, or the fruit of the Spirit, is that we will be peace-filled and we will be peaceful. And so we turn our attention away from others and we put our attention to you. Jesus, be at the center of our heart and our lives and our priorities. Bring us your peace, I pray.